Yes, it is Monday, March 4. This is the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in. Lots of reaction, of course, to the season openers yesterday at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Loz will be back with us on air Wednesdays. He just about uh, catches a play. We spoke to him earlier this morning from Vegas via LA back home. And it's great to have Adam Pengilly joining us from the City Morning Herald, who himself last week was, of course, covering the World Club Challenge over in the UK. There's uh, actually been a bit of, <laughs> bit of criticism here in hindsight. Adrian at Rouse Hills being ending stuck into Nathan Cleary saying his heroes, Daley Cherry Evans, at 35, giving a masterclass on a short kicking game on a ground with narrow in goals. And his villains, Nathan Cleary, seemingly afraid to even attempt a short kick. Uh, and sticks the boot in going so much for this alleged future immortal that claims so far from reality. But it, obviously Penrith shied away from, from kicking mm. it due to the in goals, but certainly uh, yesterday we didn't really see uh, teams pull back on the kicking game, so to speak. No, they pulled back, I thought, just a little bit mid but but not too much. And mm. I thought they, to be fair to them, I thought some of the kicking was, was really, really good, but there were a couple of other kicks that, that just rolled a little bit too mm. far and went down. And Cody Walker put one in, you would have thought normally would have been a good kick and it just had a little bit too much on it for the dimensions of the field over there in Las Vegas. Um, so, yeah, and I think Reese Walsh tried one forty twenty, which was... Looked like it was going to be a spectacular kick and it was just a little bit too long. And maybe on a normal size field, it probably would have been a 40-20 because uh, it would have been 100 metres between try line and try line. So, yeah, I thought the teams handled the, the different dimensions, to be fair, pretty well. Like, pretty well. I thought there was only one real incident you thought, oh, a bit worried was when Daniel Tupo got bundled into touch and he took out the the soundy on, yeah. on the sideline there. But you could tell they had erected a lot of padding around mm. the corners of the grounds to, to make sure it was okay. So... I suppose some of those fears about the, the field and leading to a, a low point scoring game didn't really materialise, did it? Wonder if Buzz has got an American accent yet, pup, after being there for, <coughs> for several days. I'm inter- I, I missed, I, I didn't hear it at the time, but I'm interested to find out what did Buzz say that stirred so many people up last week? Did he say well, it's been a, the, NF, it's the daily NRLs, thing, isn't it? Yeah, but there was something last week he must have said on Fox 360 that we got a million messages last last week about it. But I must have missed it. Must have been a goodie, though, because there was big reaction. I think it might have been when he said the NRL's a better game than the NFL. I think it might have been that. Over in the States, though. Buzz, good morning, mate. How are you? Mate, I've got a bit of a headache, to be brutally honest <laughs> with you. It's, um, Is that hangover? Um, or Clarky, you know what so. time we left the ground? We left the ground at midnight. Okay. It's a late Um, night for you, Buzz. Oh, mate, it is. And we had to stay back and pre-record an episode of NRL 360, which goes to air tonight. So by the time we got back, you can't go to... Everyone was on such a high, still so excited about the event. So you know what I did? I went out and had a sneaky beer or ten. um, It was a great night, even after the game, and a lot of the players were out and... I even bumped into a few of the South boys, and even though they lost, uh, they were they were really, you know, they, everyone was in such a great uh, mood. You know, we'll, we'll get to Ezra Mam, and that was the only dampener. But it was just the most magnificent occasion yesterday. It really was. What did you say last week, Buzz? You've stirred them up in here. Our text line went crazy, but I missed it. I didn't hear what you said. Well, I'll start off by saying I'm not a, a mad NFL fan and uh, I don't like stoppages in play. Uh, I love free, and that's why I love 
NRL so much. So I said, NRL is a better game, in my opinion, than NFL. <laughs> While in America. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, you're you know, entitled I, to your opinion, though, Buzz, aren't you? Yeah, I think I am. Um, <laughs> do, what, 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 do, do you guys agree? Or? For me, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah, well, I, we grew <laughs> yeah. up here. As, like, I grew up here yeah. as well. Rugby yeah. league's um, yeah. one of my favourite sports. Um, but, yeah, and look, I think yeah. I think the other thing, we, we saw, I, I think we try, we're trying to compare so many things because the game's in Vegas, the Super Bowl's just been yeah, on, yeah, yeah. the NFL's America's yeah. biggest sport. So you can understand why we're trying to compare, but well, I think they're yeah. two completely different sports. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like anyone who grew up in Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, Tasmania. AFL's a better game than rugby league. Yeah, I was just so. giving a, mm. a personal opinion. And can I say this? I admire the NRL athletes so much. And I'm not saying... The, a the NFL guys are, you know, sensational athletes. But they're never tested fatigue-wise over 80 minutes non-stop. They've got a defence side, an attack side that comes onto the field. They have all these... We don't have any. It's even harder on NRL playing with this six again. I don't know. Pengers, your thoughts? Oh, no, I agree with you, Buzz. I, I, I've never been one who's got right into the NFL. Um, I understand why people like it, particularly yeah, yeah. down here in Australia. And I get that. But I prefer the NRL every day of the week. I just like the continuous nature of our yeah. game and the free-flowing footy and, and the unpredictability of it. And But that's not to say that people can't like the NFL either. I completely understand Absolutely. why people like it. Um, yeah, it was, I wrote my column this morning, guys, and I actually um, went and found a couple of American fans, and, and not expats, but Americans who turned up to have their first look at rugby league. And they were absolutely blown away. You know, one guy said, wow, how tough are these dudes? You know, another guy said, mate, these guys are crazy. <laughs> you know? and, they, and these were just a couple of American punters sitting in the stands. And, and it, it gives me great confidence that this concept, not next year, not the year after, but maybe in 10 years' time, will make a very small footprint into the American market. And obviously, so obviously, never challenge NFL, hockey over here, anything like that. But there is a little opening there for our game to um, have some success over here. Obviously, yeah, it was a successful day yesterday for Rugby League. So so where to now, Buzz? Like, how do... Uh, Peter Volandis, Andrew Abdo, how do they capitalise on this? Because you get the feeling, well, you know, it really came through the TV for us back here yesterday. And, and we were speaking earlier this morning, the FOMO effect. I think now everyone <laughs> yeah. wants in. Like, as a fan, well, uh, I'm sure fan, uh, other clubs and other CEOs, they'll be like, let's get involved in that and let's do it sooner rather well, than later. Now, 11 of the other 13 CEOs uh, who weren't represented with their clubs here over the weekend are here for a, a CEOs conference. I spoke to all of them individually and I, and they have been so soaked up by what we've seen, not just the football yesterday, but the fan fest last weekend, which is one of the best things I've ever seen, and they will stick their hand up to come over here. The problem we have is Manly and the Roosters want to do it every year. But I think the NRL are going to have to be fair about this 
and give every club an op that wants an opportunity here a crack, you know. Um, yeah, it's where to now. Um, it's just, I don't think we can wait till next year. Um, for, you know, I'm not talking about bringing extra games here, but I think the NRL have got more marketing to do and then over the next 12 months before we come back next year. It's locked in for five years. It was on Fox Sports' main channel yesterday. <laughs> Look, the only disappointment was it was terrible news for Rugby Union. So the local college basketball game went into overtime on Fox Sports 1. So this meant for the first 17 minutes, the rugby league was on Fox Sports 2. Now the poor old Rugby Union 7s tournament that was supposed to be on Fox 2, it got shuttered off to, a, to an app. <laughs> so um, yeah, poor old rugby, eh? they just can't you know, do a trick. Of course, we uh, had a controversy, though. Uh, oh, what yeah. is going to come of the Ezra Mam allegation against Spencer Lenu, do you think? Yeah, look, it's a very, very serious uh, thing that's allegedly happened. And it's not just the fact it happened here in America and has taken some of the gloss off the showpiece. If this happened at Cogarove or Brookvale, Sharp Park, wherever, it is a massive, massive issue in rugby league and let's say all sports right now. Now, about 10 minutes before coming on air, I uh, rang Graham Annesley, the NRL's head of football, who will oversee an investigation. They will go through every bit of audio and try to enhance it. They'll go through... Uh, video of uh, the incident and you know and maybe even bring in a lip reading expert the thing is Spencer Lanu is denying it but Ezra Mam, this was so sad guys he was in tears after the game he's a really really proud indigenous man and I spoke to a couple of the players last night and long after the team got back to the hotel here at Resort World he was still down and feeling really, really bad about what happened. So I know how strong the NRL is in regards to racism and um, they've done a lot of work over on it over the years and, you know, educating players. And they will not leave a stone unturned to get to the bottom of what happened. If... Spencer Lanu is found guilty of saying what's been alleged. I think he's facing a very, very long holiday on the sideline. I really do. Because we have so many wonderful Indigenous athletes in our game and we have to stand up and support them as strong as we possibly can. And um, It will be a very interesting... 24 hours that the NRL are going to be working on it all day here and um, they won't rush into a decision. They'll need their technology people to go through all the tapes, as I said, and try and get to speak to other players who are close by. Who else heard it? Adam Reynolds has said he didn't hear it because he wasn't near it. So, um, look, I just hope they get to the bottom of it and ASAP. Buzz, just on the Roosters as well, what about Teddy's performance yesterday? Like, there's been a lot of talk about him in the pre-season. 
whether he's going to do enough to hold on to his jersey for State of Origin 1, which is obviously a couple of months away. But that was probably about as good as he could have started the season yesterday in Las Vegas. Oh, mate, I couldn't agree with you more. Look, I, I watched Teddy when the Kangaroos were beaten whitewashed 30-0 by the Kiwis. Uh, when was it? October, November mm. last year. And I'm starting to think Dylan Edwards, Tom Turbo, Latrell Mitchell, Reese Walsh, Callum Ponga, that this guy, from what I saw, cannot... He's under serious siege to retain his Blues and his Australian jersey this year. But like all champions do, Teddy worked his butt off in the off-season. He could have, you know, he obviously had a break, but he's worked so hard to get his game back in order. It was a really tough year for him in Origin last year. It was a tough year for the Roosters. He was under enormous scrutiny every time he played. I was so happy to see him after the game on the field, looking so happy, celebrating with his teammates. And I guess... It's the old rule, you, you, you never bag a champion, and this guy is a champion. And the fullback battle for Origin, and you know, and the kangaroo is still a long way away, and there's a lot of footy to be played, but this guy is not going to give up that jersey without a fight. He was outstanding yesterday, uh, Pangas. And Manly, they were pretty good too, weren't they, Buzz? And uh, Luke Brooks, just appropriate, he scores the clincher in his club debut? You know, I spoke on, you'll see it on 360 tonight. This guy, you could tell, had dropped the so much weight off his shoulders and it was bad weight, it was pain, it was from a really unhappy few years at the West Tigers where he was the face of the disaster almost. And there was not a more scrutinised player in the game but Manly looked back to the year he was Dally M halfback of the year and put great faith in him that he could come to a club where there are so many other big names in Cherry Evans, the Trebojevic guys and Big Ola Kawatu and just let him, you know, lose that weight I'm talking about off his shoulders and, and play his natural footy and he, he did that and um, it was a really encouraging uh, start, not just for him, but for the manly side, the other guy, and we're talking great fullbacks, I thought Tom Turbo was outstanding. Um, what do you say about this guy? I don't think it's just Manly Seagulls fans who are in his cheer squad this year. I think everyone across the game, knowing what an excitement machine he is to watch with the football in his arms, poking in on the right or the left or swooping in, I probably should have said, he is so beautiful to watch, and he has had a wretched run with injuries, but, uh, yeah, that was really encouraging uh, to, to see him perform so well. Manly were great. They really were. You know what? I put him in my top four. I thought I'll throw a Smokey in, and um, I honestly think, look, it's round one, but they are a chance. They've got a roster, um, barring major injury concerns, that can, you know, can make the top four. Do we need a roof in Sydney Buzz on our stadiums? Or at yeah, least one of our story. stadiums? Um, I, I, I'll give you some background here, Clarky. It was the most horrible weather mm. in Las Vegas yesterday. You know, they had to close the airport for several hours because of the strength of the wind. It was more than gale force. It was a really, really ordinary day. There was a little light showers. 
it was cold, like the north of England, you, you felt like when you were walking into the stadium. Now, once you got inside, it was the most comfortable experience. I'm not just talking about the wind suite, the press box or the corporate areas. The punters in every single seat in that stadium had the very best experience. And if we can replicate that in Sydney, I say bring it on. And, you know, uh, the first night of the Taylor Swift concert, there was a massive electrical storm in Sydney and they had to clear the bottom decks of the stand just before Tay-Tay came on. I think to attract the really biggest sport to Sydney, Clarkie, I think it's a wonderful idea and uh, our fans deserve the same comfort that Las Vegas and all the Aussies who travelled over here experienced yesterday. I think it'd be money well spent because it would drag bigger acts to Sydney without any concerns about washouts or bad weather. You, you've seen what bad weather's done to cricket, the Sydney test, over such a long period of time. And, um, you know, it, the, the battle to get people off their lounge room chairs because the sports coverage on Fox 9, 7 is so good these days, it's so easy to sit in the comfort of your home. So we have to do more to encourage and entice people to get to the footy, get to the get what concerts, etc. I love the idea. And just before you go, Buzz, just on those two clubs that didn't come home with competition points, Souths and the Broncos, uh, any sort of overreactions, I guess, early in the season for, for their defeats yesterday? Oh, look, I, I don't think so. Souths win that football game for a long time. I think Luttrell has presented himself this year in the best shape I've seen him for a long, long time. He's very, very happy. And he had a he had a big game yesterday until um, he, he scored a try with just sheer power. Beautiful couple of passes, set up tries. So, look, South will be fine. Made it round one. The Broncos again, you know, they probably wanted to get off to a better start because of the pain of destroying, you know, blowing that grand final last year. But uh, I saw enough from all four clubs here yesterday to think they're in this race. And, you know, they'll get home, they will all regroup. And um, no, South and Broncos fans shouldn't be too disappointed whatsoever. Mate, safe trip home. And yeah, thanks mate, for joining um, us under some duress as well. We appreciate oh, mate. it. <laughs> mate, I, I'm doing it tough, I promise you. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well earned. All uh, right. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Nice Bye. Phil Moss coming up shortly. And uh, great to have Adam Pengilly in co-hosting with us this morning. Loz will be back on Wednesday as he is just about to be en route back home. Uh, from Vegas. Just some results overnight. So Manchester City have won the Manchester Derby against United 3-1 at the Etihad. Bournemouth beat Burnley in Burnley 2-0 in the earlier game. But in the Derby, United actually led 1-0. Rashford scored early. Uh, but uh, Foden had a brace in the second half and then Haaland scored very late on in stoppage time. So 3-1 City and they're a point behind Liverpool and it is Liverpool and City at Anfield next weekend in a massive match, considering there's 10 matches left in the Premier League season. Uh, in the A-League yesterday, a couple of exciting matches. Wellington Phoenix beat Adelaide 3-2, and Brisbane Raw beat Melbourne Victory 3-2. Uh, 
Uh, by the way, with that victory from Wellington, meant Mossy's multi got up as well. He's two-legger. He had Wellington and Tottenham. A uh, little two-legger. Maybe he's found the right formula there. <laughs> I think it's really got to him. The sticky's mean copy. Really? His, uh, yeah, I think it's got to him, but he's got a victory there, so he's back. Uh, but a couple of derbies on Saturday evening. The F1 derby. They still call it the F1 derby. Uh, Newcastle in the Central Coast. Well, the Mariners won at 1-0 there in Newcastle. And Sydney FC put the Wanderers to the sword at Combank 4-1 uh, there on Saturday evening. Now, some golf. And Henna Green, well done to her. Adam had her as his hero. She won the LPGA Women's World Championship in Singapore by one shot. And she made birdie at her last three holes to help clinch that tournament. Uh, the Cognizant Classic is suspended this morning due to the weather there in Florida. So as it stands, South African Eric Van Royen leads on 14 under par as he is 8 under through 11 holes in his final round. And uh, Aussie Minwoo Lee hasn't teed off yet and is 10 under par, tied for 6th or 4 shots off the pace heading into his final round there this morning. And in the live event in Saudi Arabia yesterday, uh, Joaquin Neiman, the Australian Open champion, won that event. And uh, Cameron Smith was a long way back, as was Mark Leishman, some 16 shots off the pace, finishing one under for the tournament. Uh, Well done over the weekend as well to Aussie high jumper Nicola Oloschlagers. She nailed a jump of 1.99 metres to win at the World Athletics Indoor Championships in Glasgow, so she's a real gold medal chance in the high jump heading towards Paris later this year. Uh, in the Formula One, Max Verstappen won the season opener. Surprise, surprise in Bahrain with Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz filling the podium. Oscar Piastri, the Aussie, was eighth. And Daniel Ricciardo, 13th. Uh, there was a bit of drama, team drama there with his team. So uh, his teammate, Sonoda, the Japanese driver, he was ordered to let Ricardo passed him, and Sonoda took a couple of laps to do so. He was not happy about it, and he actually nearly sideswiped Ricardo on the cooldown lap. <laughs> so, <laughs> imagine going in as the team and getting them together to try and sort that out during the week. Well, this is the one thing I've never understood about Formula One, Mido, and I don't follow motorsport that closely, to be fair, but like they're all competitive beasts. How do yeah, you just let I a know. teammate go past? Yeah. Again, it's not in your natural no, instinct, well, you, is it? Did you not hear the... Well, I heard that. That's what yeah. I'm saying, Clucky. Yeah. But like, I, 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 teams that order one guy to go ahead of the other. Like, he must be on the radio and just think, why the hell am I competing if I'm going to let a teammate go straight past me? Yeah. Apart, I, from, if, apart from the same logo on your car, yeah. that, that's the only part of team in Formula One, well, because you got your, you, you got actually they are actually two separate teams, two drivers, two completely separate teams, and you, I've under watched, one logo. I've watched a little bit of the Drive to Survive on Netflix, and yeah. you, 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 I didn't understand the tension that exists between drivers oh. on the same team. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you're always looking over your shoulder. Don't that's what it feels like watching them. Is just that they're never quite relaxed about what their teammates doing. Are no, they? no. Uh, now, super round in rugby yesterday as well. The Brumbies, they were smashed by the Chiefs, 46-12. to 12. Uh, The Reds, they lost to the Hurricanes in an absolute thriller. It finished 33 all at full time. So it goes to sudden death. And the Hurricanes scored a try. So they won 38-33. Uh, but the big result over the weekend was the Waratahs. As what, 18 and a half point outsiders they were on Friday. They stunned the Crusaders 37-24. 
on Saturday evening there in uh, Melbourne at Amy Park. Yesterday in the cricket, the Aussies beat New Zealand by 172 runs in the first test in Wellington as uh, they bowled New Zealand out for 196 on day four as the Black Caps chased 369 for a very unlikely victory. Nathan Lyon, 10 for the match, 6 for 65 in the second innings. Uh, but Cameron Green, player of the match, pup, and that is uh, a bit of a coming of age, I think, for Cameron Green, batting at number four. I know he's been around the side for a while now, uh, but uh, he was the man in that test match, along yeah. with Nathan Lyon, two outs- by far our two best players in the test. Yeah, match. for sure. Brilliant win. Uh, Aussies, uh, yeah, finding a way again. Conditions, they lost, the, they lost the toss, got sent in on really what looked on a day one a green seamer, I think. Um, you know, the opening partnership on a wicket like that, Tony go down, only be one down at lunch, very important, underrated. Um, and that's what opening the batting's about, sometimes getting through that tough period. Uh, and then Cameron Green with Mitchell. Mitchell Marsh's intent, again, only made 40-odd, but very important. Cameron Green to bat the way he batted, be patient early, and then go hard with the tail. And then that partnership with Josh Hazelwood, absolutely phenomenal um, to set the game up, to make that many runs, 380-odd in the first innings. Um, really, New Zealand had to bat out of their skin, and they were never going to on that wicket because there was enough there for the Australian bowlers as well. Um, Aussie boys pitched the ball up a lot more, certainly the brand-new ball. They've got the key weapon of Nathan Lyon, and their catching was brilliant once again. Um, you know, the fielding, you see a significant difference in the fielding as well. Um, but, yeah, Cameron Green, unbelievable 100 would do his confidence to be good. His first 100 batting at number four, his second test 100, and a big one as well. So that's really impressive. And Nathan Lyon just keeps doing his thing. Well done, Alex Dimonor, the Aussie tennis player, won the Mexican Open title, defended that title. In fact, he beat Casper Ruud in the final. And LeBron James, just another milestone, the first player ever to record 40,000 points in the NBA. Wow. 40,000. Jeez. The Loz said three years ago that he's passed his best. Loz <laughs> <laughs> said it was time to retire three years ago. I reckon Le- LeBron's doing it out of smite to Loz. <laughs> yeah. He has a little quote uh, plastered on his locker room or something like that. Big bird. <laughs> big figure up in his chain room. El Daly, have some of that. <laughs> How are you, Mossy? Great, Meadow. How are you? Very well, thank you. And uh, big weekend. Now, firstly... Uh, Brisbane and Wanderers fans, their, their fan groups have walked out. What's going on uh, in those two venues over the weekend, Mossy? Well, still waiting for clarity, to be honest. So I haven't got much for you. But, um, yeah, look, it's it's disappointing. Um, you know, fans have got every right to, to their say. I, I, I believe the Western Sydney one, I, I don't know anything about the Brisbane one, but the, the Western Sydney one, I believe, was something to do with the um, the RBB and, and police. Um Having some, uh, some crosswords. Um, not not sure if there's anything physical. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't want to even um, speculate. But um, yeah, it's it's disappointing because particularly for the Sydney Derby, like that's you know one of the greatest atmospheres on the on the calendar uh, for our A League you know, men's competition. And to see the um, you know behind the goal empty um, is never a good look. And it certainly hurt uh, Western Sydney. Um, you know, in the second half when they really needed their their extra man to um, to try and get some some energy in a, in a game that they were completely dominated in. So, um, yeah, both clubs will be uh, working hard to get under the covers of it and work out uh, solutions. 
Mossy, the Phoenix uh, won again on the weekend to go three points clear at the top of the ladder. Do you, obviously, they're on, on course to win the Premier's plate. Do you, do you think they're grand final favourites as well at the moment? Oh, hard to call on grand final favourites at this stage, Ads, because, um, you know, the finals are just such a different competition to the to the league. But, um, you know, Chiefy uh, uh, Giancarlo Italiano, their coach, first-time coach, is doing an incredible job. And he, he swung the game in Wellington's favour yesterday with a quadruple sub substitution in the second half that um, that absolutely turned the game for Wellington and, and got them over the line um, 3-2 in the end. Uh, wonderful game, a real tactical battle. Adelaide went to Wellington and, and gave it a, a good shake uh, considering the form that they've been in this season, which has been very inconsistent and sometimes poor. Um, but uh, yeah, Wellington, they're sailing towards that Premier's plate and, um, and rightly so. They've been, to this point, <coughs> excuse me, they've been the best team uh, this this season, so um, uh, Mariners probably they're, they're shading the Mariners because obviously the Mariners got off to a slow start. But um, yeah, it's shaping as a, a great run to the uh, Premier's plate, and then as I said in the finals, anything's possible. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Mariners, Mossy. They just found a way, didn't they? Didn't look great, but they found a way. Yeah, that's right, Clarky. And you know, you've been part of fantastic teams yourself. You know, sometimes you've just got to find a way to win. It doesn't have to be pretty all the time. And you look back on the season and think, gee, that was an important three points, um, you know, that that helped us get where we wanted to get. So Josh Nisbet, the diminutive midfielder with the uh, decisive goal for the Mariners, uh, great strike. He's not a a prolific goal scorer by any stretch, but he's, he's absolutely the glue that makes that Mariners team tick. So, um, yeah, in the end, a good three points and they get to take the, uh, the block of concrete back down the uh, F3 to Gosford. And just on the Sydney Derby, uh, Phil on the text line asks, can you ask Phil, can the Wanderers bounce back from the weekend disaster? Well, they have to. And we spoke about this last week too, Mido. I think one of our listeners texted in asking if they can make the top four. And I said, they, not whether they can, they have to. Um, otherwise, it's a complete failure of a season. Um, for a club that size and, and what uh, Marco Rudan has been building since he took over a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, quite simply, when things like that happen, those sort of performances, and it was the performance as well as the result. The result didn't mask the performance. It was absolutely um, uh, illustrative of uh, Sydney's domination in this game and, and how poor Western Sydney were. So, yeah, that's a, the number one thing this week for Western Sydney is to bounce back mentally and um, and show a reaction in their uh, in their next game this weekend. Mossy, moving to the Premier League, we were discussing it a little bit earlier this morning. This three-way uh, title race, I suppose, is fascinating. A huge clash next week when Man City go to Anfield to play Liverpool. Who who do you think is going to buckle first in this title race? Man City, Liverpool, or, or Arsenal? Well, definitely it's between Man City and Arsenal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we get some players no, look, back, Mossy? Yeah, that, that's the key thing. I'm worried. You know, like, yeah, we, we've got some, some key personnel out. Um, I think we're up to about 11 or 12 uh, players uh, who are in the, the treatment room at the moment and not, uh, not lacing the boots. So, yeah, that, that worries me a lot, particularly with the glutter games. But don't forget, we're, we're still going for the quadruple. Um, we've got the League Cup in the bag, but we're, we're still going FA Cup, Europa and, um, and EPL. I only um, care about right. the league, Mossy. I only hey? care about the league now, seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm the same. That's your bread and oh. butter. And, and that's the one I'd like to see uh, Klopp go out with. Again, particularly, you know, we've got one league title in, uh, what is it, 30, yep. 33, 34 years or something. 
Um, I'm with you, but let's not just make it all about Liverpool because Man City, this is their this is their time of the year. This is when they they really hit another gear, and um, you know they're certainly looking likely to do that again. Arsenal, um, you know, it's a credit to Arteta. They've got a game in hand. Obviously, they play tomorrow morning, which uh, I'm expecting to win, um, which will put them right back uh, in, in the mix. And um, it's strap your strap yourselves in and, and enjoy the ride because this is a time of year where things really start to get spicy. Uh, and just on the derby this morning, uh, what did you make of the performance by City? Can considering you know United were one nil up uh, early in the match there at the Etihad. Well, two two of the greatest derby goals we'll ever see: Marcus Rashford and Phil Foden mm. with unbelievable strikes from outside the box. And yeah, look, I, I think. I don't want to sound negative towards Manchester United, but I just think it was inevitable that Man City were going to steamroll them in the end. And, um, you know, you'd say Manchester United put up a decent fight first half, but um, the, the quality that Manchester City have and the goal scorers and, you know, you saw the chance that Haaland took in, in injury time. Like, you know, you only have to give him half a sniff. And if you if you overplay at the back um, with a front line like Manchester City you've got, um, you're asking for trouble. And, and that was the... Final nail in the coffin, but I think Foden's two goals, um, you know, the form he's in at the moment. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a local kid done done good and um, and he shows on the biggest stage. I'll tell you what I did see on the weekend, which was hugely controversial, was the Valencia-Real Madrid finish over in La Liga, Mossy. Uh, Jude Bellingham scored a goal, but the referee called full-time about oh, two seconds, maybe not even, uh, just before. I don't know if you saw it. I did, I did, and uh, I've seen it before. Um, I've seen, you know, referees let players line up a free kick, get everything set with a second to go, and then blow the whistle before they strike the free kick. Like <laughs> things like that, it's just so cruel. But um, you know, the law of the game is when the referee's watching. It's the referee's discretion in injury time. When that ticks uh, past the, you know, the, the allotted time in the referee's mind, they, they're entitled to blow the whistle. But really, when you think about understanding a game and game management and things like that from the official's point of view, it's poor. Yeah, he should have called it straight as soon as the, the corner was taken, shouldn't he? Yeah, well, I think, I think, and I'm, I could be standard, uh, stand, stood corrected here, but I think referees are instructed not to blow their whistle when there's a, a potential goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. So there you go. Well, finished 2-2 two, two, that game in the end. Uh, mate, big week ahead. We'll chat later in the week. Well done with your multi. Yeah, Mossy well done. Well. Outstanding. Ah, oh, thank you, Clark. I've got you, mate. I've got you. Isn't it amazing? He's not getting any praise oh, on the text line, but... Wouldn't expect it. What's that story? Only, they don't win the only criticism in here. Two <laughs> and three, I think, we're up to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that good 66 on you, buddy. 66-week stretch, apparently, is uh, old news. Yeah, good on you, Mossy. <laughs> Ali Mosley from Sky Racing, a very good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm well, Mido. There's a bit of a chill in the air this morning. It really feels like autumn today, doesn't it? It is autumn. Well, we're not sure in here yet, but we'll experience it soon. Uh, Oh, yeah, you haven't left the building. <laughs> uh, we no, go we from haven't. air conditioning to heater. In here, Al. We don't. Uh, there's no grey. It's black or white in here. You're sweating it up, or you got two jumpers on. <laughs> <So true. laughs> don't know what the time is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Think it over. Kerry Parker, Nash. What a performance there in the Chipping Norton slash now very elegant stakes there, beating Fangirl 
which was what jumped a dollar thirty there on Saturday. But all, all honours with the winner for mine, Ali. Most certainly, I think you know you could make excuses for fangirls. I think she was ridden like the dollar thirty favourite, and I don't think she can handle this off track. But I, I think maybe it just deteriorated a bit too much for her. Um, just conditions didn't suit on Saturday. I don't think. Um, you know, everyone's jumped on to say, you know, to told you she wasn't the next Winx, and uh, that's pretty clear. But I think, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to all jump off her yet. I think she's her run was still full of merit, but it was all about think it over on the weekend. So, so pleased for connections. Kerry Parker is just the loveliest guy to have anything to do with, and Nash rode him an absolute peach. He's a warrior of a horse to come back from a tendon injury and do as well as he has as a credit to the team and the way that they've nursed him back and just conditions suited. He's in fine form this prep. I went and saw him in the stalls and he was um, carrying on like a bit of a pork chop, so they took him out behind the other horses to the other end of the stalls, so he just had his own little bit of room away from everyone else. So he's obviously got that zest for racing and just exciting for all of us to see him, see him so well. Ali, Middell and I were talking about Stormboy a little bit earlier this morning. He's a $2.30 favourite for the Golden Slipper. We've still got three weeks to go, but from what we saw on the weekend, how do they beat him? Uh, well, I think the only way that you could beat him is if something pops him, I suppose, out in front. I, I, the, the query that I had with him on the weekend, and this is not a knock on him at all because I still think he's the one to beat in the Slipper, is that are we seeing him now as as a horse that's ready to get to 14 to the mile. Um, he probably is still better than them over 12, but 12, I think, is that trip where he's vulnerable. That is, that's my only point that I would make on him, is that if he is vulnerable, it's over 1,200. And um, I, I think he was impressive on the weekend. I, don't, I think he could have done any more. I think James was just feeling him out, didn't ask him to do too much. He will obviously benefit from that run as well. So I, I know there were some people coming out and saying they weren't as impressed with the win, but... Um, I can't see why we shouldn't still have him as our short price favourite for the slipper at this stage. In the other group one in Sydney, Tropical Squall for Adam Hieronymus and the Waterhouse Botyard. They combined to win the surround stakes. What did you make of Tropical Squall? I thought she would be a little bit more dour, I think. You know, that, that little bit older and being able to get out of her trip now. But she was dynamic. It was a great ride from Adam Hieronymus. He rides Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bot's horses to perfection. He knows how to ride them and he does so and it was I suppose you know just a great win for the whole team as well I know um, Adam was really pleased I don't think I've seen him celebrate like that um, on any of his other group one winners so far since he's been back so I know it meant a lot to him Tropical Squall was just really he was really excited about last preparation and um, I think that she did in typical True Waterhouse and Adrian Bot fashion uh, a pretty impressive job so she, she sort of put them away there didn't she she was pretty overlooked in the market a little bit of an upset alley in the Australian Guineas. Uh, Kieran Ma, another huge day with Southport Tycoon winning. What did you make of the, I suppose, the two place getters, V8 and um, obviously Riff Rocket running the placings behind Southport Tycoon? Uh, I probably need to go back and re-watch the race. I didn't keep a close eye on it. I did watch on the screens in the stall. So that was about as, as much as I got to look at. I thought um, Riff Rocket looked like maybe he needed another lap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, V8 was maybe a touch disappointing. I... I I sort of didn't get to, to watch it that well. It just looked like Rick Brockett was only getting warm really late there. So that would be sort of my assessment of it from that. What are you following and perhaps forgiving out of the weekend? Uh, I'm going to follow Kovalika. I thought it was a great mm. first up return over a distance short of his best. So we'll follow him. And then the Melbourne filly, um, Peter Moody and Catherine Coleman's roll on high. Uh, she did it tough out the back there. 
um, and rattled off some really nice sectionals. She looks a really progressive type, and I think we will see her in Sydney again, according to Catherine. So she'll be the one to follow out of that. And I don't know if it's maybe taken enough out of her, but I was really impressed with Extreme Diva. She was on the worst part of the track at the top of the strain. She had to circle the field. She had an interrupted run home, and she, she flashed late there for third. So I think she was pretty good. And then Designer as well, I think I'd spoken about him on Friday, but he'd be one to follow once he gets out over a trip as well. He was great. Oh, I was hoping to get it. Straight away was with with Kovalika was looking for its price in the Doncaster, but they don't miss eleven dollars. They mm-hmm. in that market doesn't take long, me yeah. Doesn't take long. No, <laughs> a bit slower. Anyway, Ali, we'll chat later in the week. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah, think about it. Six dollar favourite for the Doncaster Obam Buramai, which we saw win the Golden Eagle so impressively at eight dollars. Another will. Oh, isn't that mm. horse flying? Uh, down south, Celestial Legend and Kovalika are all $11 for the Doncaster, which will be here in a heartbeat. Day one of the championships, April 6th.